Mac Power Users, episode 263, Task Management with Kurash Dini. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? Hey, I'm great, David. How are you? Excellent. And with us today is a guest from years past, Kudrash Dini. Kudrash, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. I, I really, you know, I was thinking about this show for a while because we, we've been hovering around the issue of task management. And for before you turn your dial out there, uh, you know, we, we've done shows on task management applications but uh, during the David Allen show, we kind of got into a thing about the brain and why task management is hard. And I wanted to dive deeper on that. And who would be better than that than Kurash, who is um, not only wrote a book on called Creating Flow with OmniFocus, which is probably one of the best books out there on, on using OmniFocus and task management in general. But Kudrash is also a practicing physician and uh, which I'm, I'm going to screw it up. Kudrash, what is the exact um, specialty? So I'm a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I thought that was it, but I thought if I said that, I would get it wrong. So anyway, <laughs> and so he's spent a lot of time thinking about motivations and why task management works and doesn't. So, so the vision for this show was not only to give everybody a good show about tips for managing tasks, and we are going to talk about that stuff, uh, but also about why this is so difficult for us humans and hacks we can use to help ourselves get better at it. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited about this show. It's a little out of the ordinary for us, and I hope that everybody out there enjoys it. Uh, before we get into it too deep, uh, there is a little bit of an audio issue with this show. It's kind of a funny story. Kurash lives right in the middle of downtown Chicago and the mm -hmm. um, the bucket band, which is world yeah. famous in Chicago. They, they uh, have a bunch of plastic buckets and they show up in front on streets once in a while and just stop and start a, a, a concert. Um, well, today they're doing it right under the study window of Kurash's home. So he has <laughs> moved himself into the kitchen where he has a refrigerator. We decided choosing between the refrigerator noise and the bucket band noise, we'll go with the refrigerator. See, I just assumed you guys were making that up when you told me that, but yeah, well. no, that's the, bu <laughs> the bucket band is a thing. Yeah. I don't know that if I could, thing. I don't think I could expand on it and make it any better. I mean, the bucket band. That's exactly what's going on. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, um, I believe they're called, I found them on YouTube. They're the Chicago bucket boys. That's a, yep. All right. I'm going to put it. a link to them in the show notes. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> just so, um, just so people know that they're real. And, and hopefully yeah. we'll be able to get some of that out in post. But if you hear a little bit of a, a sound of refrigerator, that's not your refrigerator running. That's that's Kudrash's. So anyway. <laughs> hey, is this the proper time to say if your refrigerator's running, yeah, you I better know. go. I'm I sorry. <laughs> I was really proud of myself there for about two seconds. Okay. Um, I just couldn't help myself. Um, all right. So, so Kudrash, why is keeping track of tasks so difficult? It's it's um it's a great question. It's a, it's a big question. Uh, there's there's you can you can look at it from any number of angles, but um, just a few a few ideas that came to mind when when you first asked it uh, asked me. Um, you know, one idea is that just delineating our work and getting a sense of what it is we have to do is uh, it can be very hard. It's it, and it keeps getting more and more difficult as we get into. Uh, more knowledge work and more information work. Um, we, it, it, that actual process of like sitting with the thing in front of us, the laptop or whatever it is, and realizing that it's not just going to jump out at you and say, this is what you got to do. And this is where it's got to be at the end. Um, that, that 
takes some um, dedicated reflective effort, which um, actually in itself also becomes very hard because because of technology's um, increasing pervasiveness that to and and our uh, ability or lack thereof to block it out where we don't need it. So I, it becomes yeah yeah. I was thinking about my dad. You know, he was a uh, he worked in a lumberyard. You know, so he had his job was to get the uh, the wood and saw it into planks to organize it, to load it on a truck. Yeah. Sometimes he'd have to count it, you know, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of detailed work with the saws and maybe moldings. And, you know, he would run different machines, but for him, it was a real easy process. He'd show up and there'd be a pile of lumber in one corner in one form. And at the end of the day, there'd be a pile of lumber in a different corner in a different form. And his job was to get the one pile turned into the other pile. And compared to my life, I've got a publishing business, a legal business, uh, parental duties. I mean, I have, I just have no idea when I wake up in the morning, if I don't really dedicate some effort to it, what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And Tell I don't, it. I don't think I'm alone on that. I, I don't think you're alone either. I think it's, it's, it, it's across the board. Like if I'm doing, um, let's say I'm doing music work, I'm trying to write something, I'm trying to create something like the, the, what I, any sort of creative work, you're going to have some blurriness and what, what you want to get to at the end. And there's so much more of what we do is, is blurry creative work. And then in the, in the process too, we have so many tools to help us that we have so many things to learn at, to get there that we can constantly run off on these rabbit trails too. Um, so it's not as simple as, well, I've got these logs over here and I want to turn them into something over there. And this is the tool to use. Um, you know, there's, we can, you know, get excited by, oh, well, I could use this tool too. Um, you know, that, 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 so we can constantly throw ourselves off and it requires more and more of our own sense of agency, our own sense of, uh, and ability to pause and say, okay, um, let me let the thoughts that I have settle and then decide what is the thing with uh, that I'm trying to approach and what might be a nicety. And I can write that down on the side and say, okay, um, that would be a nice thing to do, but that's not my thing right now. So have, it, it, have our lives ahead. just become, uh, have they really become, though, that more complicated? I mean, we're not the first generation who who have had these problems, but is our problems that we just now have more stuff to manage all of our problems with? I think it's a great question. I, th- I think so. Uh, there's no way for me to measure that, maybe. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do think our lives are just, much, much more complex. You know, I think about when I was in college is when I think I first got, like, I, I discovered email um, and, uh, or just the, the browsers and, you know, the internet browsers. And um, things very quickly became more and more complex. Uh, and and I just don't see that that seems to continually happen. Uh, now, I don't know if that's a product of me just uh, getting older, maturing, and realizing that the world is much more nuanced than it was, or if it's genuinely that that's what, what is going on. But that's been my experience, that it just seems like, man, there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm like, if I see a new application, I'm, I find myself having to more and more say, no, no, I'm probably better not to go that way. Let me just master what I've got. And that, that has to be, like, I have to um, consciously think of that more and more. I, I would argue, though, that I think... Uh at this time in history, um, most people, you know, are, I guess the classic, 
you know, the, the knowledge, the idea of knowledge workers, people who earn their money with their brains. I don't know if that's a good way to summarize it, but basically you do stuff with your brain and it, it pays your bills. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a lot more of those now than there ever have been before. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more kind of inputs and stresses put on them than ever before. I would argue that for instance, a graphic designer mm-hmm. that in 2015 can be pulled a lot more directions than a graphic designer could have been in, in 1975. I would agree. And, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, why is task management so hard? Because we aren't even sure what we're supposed to be doing half the time. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. You know, task management says to solve that problem for you. But because you feel so paralyzed at the beginning, it's, it's actually quite difficult to even get started on the journey. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. a lot of times the problem is exactly what you said, David, is we don't even know what we're supposed to do. We're, we're mm-hmm. so paralyzed by trying to figure out what's next. And that's, you know, if going back to the David Allen philosophy and the GTD philosophy is just making a list of what are all the things I have to do and what are the next steps that I can do right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that is, I think the the crux of it is like, you think it's task management, that, that that's a good part of it, but just writing the task, because when you write a task, you are defining the moment that you want, you want you're defining what you want to happen. And just that act of writing something clearly, um, I think, has a powerful effect on ourselves as well as um, our environments, how we want to start to uh, affect things, how we want. It. So, you know, that's it seems like a, a almost like a silly thing, but it really that's one of the big, big things is how do you write your task? Yeah, that's kind of the gateway drug of GTD, at least it was for me um, when you start out kind of going through the getting things done book. And this is not going to be a GTD episode too. I have a lot of disclaimers in this episode, but the, <laughs> um, but one of the first things they say is just clear your mind, you know, write down everything that you're th- anything that is on your mind that you know, you need to get done, write it down on a piece of paper. And that's a very therapeutic process. It, it granted, it doesn't really solve your problem, but at least at the end of that exercise, um, you, you have quantified what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And, and the, one of the points they make is don't write down 95% or 99%, write down 100%. If there's yeah. anything you've got stored in the Ram up there in your head, put it, you know, on a piece of paper or on your computer. And I strongly believe even to this day, when I start feeling overwhelmed, I will sit down and just fill my, my OmniFocus inbox with a bunch of whatever's in there. And then I'll figure it out later. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the other thing that it does is, um, that process of allowing your thoughts to settle, that thought and process of allowing, you know, you clear your mind writing it down, but you can also do this by looking at the problem in front of you or whatever it is that you're trying to address. You, you focus on it and let your thoughts kind of settle around it to the point where like nothing new comes to mind. And when you can pause and still nothing new comes to mind, that's the point where like everything that you can access consciously is, is there. Like nothing's bugging you. Nothing's trying to like, uh, oh, there's this other idea that I didn't think about or this that'll jump out at you in the middle. It's like you've got the best landscape to make a decision as to what to do next. Everybody in my life thinks I'm insane because I have like a piece of pad of paper next to the bed. I'm constantly opening drafts and dumping ideas in their OmniFocus. I've even got paper in the shower, you know, <laughs> and my, my wife thinks I'm completely insane, but it, it really makes a difference to me because if I have to carry around stuff in my head, 
it it just wears at me. And I, I know it's there. It's like this baggage. And until I get it written down. So, so I guess, I guess the first part of our story here is that in 2015, the reason task management is so hard is because our lives are more complex than they have been generally. And I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but for most of us, things are more complex than they've ever been before. And I think it's hard for us to identify exactly the outline of the beast. So, you know, we can't like move on with our lives. I would agree. I mean, it's just, it's it's so much of, of our, our existence is now in our heads in a different way than they ever were before. Just the idea of knowledge work. Okay. So we're going to accept that that is the problem. So, Mm -hmm. so what is it that we can do to start solving that problem? And, you know, let's head into some software solutions for that as well. But, um, but, you know, granted, you know, we, we've kind of talked about write everything down, but what else can we do? Well, um, I think the first step is, as we mentioned, is that process of, um, of, uh, acknowledgement that a process of like sitting down, letting the thoughts kind of, uh, go through. Then I think the next idea that I think helps us is what is it when we organize something, you know, that, um, if you're going to look at it at the most basic level with or without, um, uh, any software, although it, it still works in any realm, digital, physical, or mental, there are, um, you have to look at organization as a clearing and supporting of paths for the development of things you find meaningful. So in that first step, you start connecting whatever it is you want to do with something meaningful to you. Then you have to think, first of all, am I aware of whatever it is that I want to be uh, doing at the time that I want to be doing it? Can I get to it when I when I need it and can stay out of my way when I don't want it? Those three things, awareness of uh, accessibility and avoidability, the better you arrange for that, the more organized you are in whatever it is you want to do, whether it's task management or anything else. So for example, in writing the, um, the, uh, OmniFocus book or just developing my own, um, uh, task system, that constant, um, I, those constant ideas, those, that constant, um, uh, set of rules is, uh, you could just keep iterating upon that and your, your, from your point of view, your experience, you will grow this sort of sphere around you of increasing organization. I know that's kind of a very broad way of presenting it, but I, I think that's probably the best way I could distill it. Well, I, I'd like to break that down even a little more practical. How, where do you apply those three questions? Sure. So, for example, let's say I have a task. I, I decide, um, I, you know, uh, um, I want to uh, bring something up with my wife at home. I want to say, let's. Uh, what do you think about having dinner at uh, some place or something like that? Um, and the idea is that I, let's say I'm at work and I don't want to call right now because she's in the middle of something, or I think she probably would be. Um, and, uh, so what I need to do is how can I make myself aware of that question at the time that it's relevant? Well, so when I, when I'm at home, uh, when I'm, when I'm with my wife and, um, I have a tendency to, uh, at this point I have the habit. So I rely on habit of, uh, checking OmniFocus, uh, when I get home. So. Uh, there I can, I can create a task that flags it and says, um, uh, uh, ask my wife, it'll be a, an agenda, a task with her, uh, her name is the agenda. Um, and as the context, and then, uh, with that question, would you like to go to such and such restaurant? And so in that way, I know I'll be aware of it. I know it's going to be accessible to me at the time that it's relevant. And otherwise, because I have my perspectives arranged that, um, I don't see it while I'm at work. It's also avoidable. 
So in that way, it meets all three criteria for that organizational, that, that task. Uh, nuts and bolts. Um, how are you making it unavailable while you're at work? So nuts and bolts, I will have um, that particular agenda uh, not be a part of the, um, the uh, office perspective. So um, uh, in OmniFocus, you can create a new perspective um, and you can have it, you can uh, uh, command, uh, select any of the contexts that you do want to include in that, um, in the perspective, and then save that as being your, um, your uh, default for the office. And I just remove my uh, wife's uh, agenda from that. Now, yeah. you're using the term agenda, and that's not a term that I would typically associate with OmniFocus. So, and I know mm -hmm. we're getting a little bit nuts and bolts here, but I think it's important because if I'm a little confused, some of our listeners probably are too. Tell me what you mm -hmm. mean by you set this as your wife's agenda. Are, are you using the word agenda as mm -hmm. an, an item to complete or tell me what you mean by that? That's a very good point. I think I'm probably mixing up my, my terminology. So the I have a context. Uh, called agenda. And then I have another uh, context of my wife's name, Teresa, under the, um, as a sub uh, context of uh, the agenda. Okay. Um, and so then any tasks that go, that I want to address with her, anything that I want to talk to her about become tasks with that context, with that subcontext. So you could have something on agenda that is in a context related to work because it may be an agenda item that you discuss with a colleague at work. Yes. Yes. So I might have, um, let's say, uh, several agendas that are my family, and then uh, several agenda or subcontexts sub that are under the agenda. Uh, let me try this one more time. Sorry. All right. So I have a the main context agenda. I have a subcontext of my uh, of various family members. I have other subcontexts of, uh, let's say, work colleagues. All of those work colleagues. Um, can uh, be uh, selected and included as part of the office perspective. Okay, so so Kudrash, summarizing what you just told us, you know, you can create a custom perspective in OmniFocus that has context in it. So you're going to have a custom perspective for work that's got the people attached to work in it, and then you're going to have a custom perspective for home that has the people attached to home to it. Mm -hmm. So yes. so if you add something to your wife while you're at work. You're not going to see it until you get home. And when you get home, you just switch perspectives. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So that, that's a good way to get it off the brain and into the system and get through your three questions. I want to talk more about this, but before we do, let's take a quick break to talk about our first sponsor today. And this is one that I love. It's the automatic. It's a, so what is automatic? It's a connected car adapter. It plugs into your car's diagnostic port. Uh, you know, your mechanics use it when you go in to get your car worked on. And every car made since 1996 has one of these ports. So you've probably got one in your car. And what this allows you to do is nerd out your car. You can, um, it pairs with your iPhone. So when you, when you drive, it connects to your car and it connects your car to the internet. So that adds all sorts of magic sauce to it because um, they've got an entire ecosystem. You, you've got a free mobile app you can put on your phone. They've also got a website. And one of the things I use it for all the time is trip logging. So um, whenever I'm driving somewhere, I don't have to look at my mileage when I get there, when I get home, automatically, automatically tracks it for me. Not only does it track it for me, uh, the software's got so advanced that it even asks me when I finish a trip, was this a business related trip? And if I say yes, then it starts creating a list for me. So I've got, you know, for all my records, 
all the mileage I drew for work. They even, I just didn't even know this, Katie, but just recently they updated the app. So you get that notification on your watch. So if you got an Apple watch, when you finish a trip, you look down at your watch, you tap a button and you've saved it as a business trip. Isn't that great? I mean, think about how many times, at least I know I miss out recording business mileage because of that. It's also got a great thing called crash detection. So if your car is in a crash, automatic can detect the crash and call for help for free. And a human will even get on the line with you until help arrives. And uh, with my daughter and my wife, I love having that built into their cars. There's so much more you can do it. It can decode the engine problems. Uh, you know, so if your car has an engine problem, you can even reset them if they're not that, you know, not a big deal. Uh, it can improve your driving with real-time feedback. I got a bunch of Mac Power users and Mac Sparky listeners have been sending me screens of their scores right now because, you know, it scores you. And I had this great score. Now my wife and I are sharing my car more since I went home. My score is going down, Katie. It's really causing you know, a problem. You don't don't even start that. I don't, don't know what to do. Don't, I don't blame know what Daisy. to do because I, I want to share my score, but now it's down lower. And so that then and the listeners are taunting me. We know uh, the truth. Yeah. Okay. You can locate your parked car with it. Um, they just got a generation two hardware out now that ties in with some great apps like OBD Fusion that gives you like a whole set of dials like if you want a race car and you want a whole bunch of date details from your engine it'll put those right on your phone you can put it up in your dash and you've got more details they've got at third-party apps for um uh, running fleet cars they've got a uh, concur which is a great way to uh, frictionlessly um capture expenses expensify fresh books sherpa share that's an app that um uh, you get tax savings for ride share well if you use an automatic with the sherpa share app it automatically tracks that for you and I have even got into things like if this, then that. So it can automatically record your trips to a Google Doc, uh, rescue time to track how much time you really spend driving. There's just a whole bunch of great stuff out there. They've really developed an app platform around this device. So listen, go go check it out. Uh, really, it's risk-free because you get it for 45 days if you if you buy one. And you can return it within the 45 days. It costs $99.95 and there's no subscription fees. Uh, however, if you buy it through our link, which is automatic.com slash Mac power, you get 20% off. So we save you 20 bucks. It's just $80 and it ships in two business days. Like I said, you get to keep it for 45 free shipping. Uh, I really like them. I like them so much that I bought two more. I got one for my wife and one for my daughter. And you know, this is going to be Christmas presents this year for my family because I just think, um, all the geeks in the sparks clan are going to just really dig this. And it does make driving your car, it makes driving easier. And just there's just a lot of stuff to like about it. We really appreciate having Automatic as a sponsor. Go check it out for yourself. And like I said, buy it at automatic.com slash Mac power. Okay, so you've got, uh, we, we talked about kind of, we got into the weeds for a minute, but I, I want to pull back out now and talk about, you know, honoring the task list. So we've talked about how important it is, but you know, what do you do when you start getting into serious tasks? I think one of the problems is a lot of people start it with good intentions and within days or weeks or months, they kind of fall off the wagon and then they're not sure what to do. Well, or, or it's easy to start getting into a system and then just drop it by the wayside so quickly. There's, I think, yeah, no, I think it's, it can be easy to, easy to fall off. I think one of the things that has kept me in it, uh, and, uh, somehow I have never dropped doing this, uh, is the weekly review. Um, I really think that there's something to it that, uh, although I've, I've also started to adopt like the, um, 
more daily kind of just checking to see if something needs to be reviewed using the OmniFocus kind of indicator. Um, but there's still a very solid weekly time um, that I will check and see, is this thing still reflecting my reality? Because I think you have to realize that every task system, um, every, any organizational system for that matter, will decay because reality, you know, it's there to support whatever reality you have. Um, and it, it will, it will lose touch with how things change. The world constantly is changing. So you always have to be updating it. And you, and if you build that into your habits, you will be in a much better, better, better place. Um, now it's easy to just say, okay, go and review, but there's, it's, it's actually the, the difficulty of review uh, describes the, the the issue is that you start running into the, the idea quickly that you can't do everything you want to do. And uh, one of the problems is when you use the task manager as a, you know, as a wish list um, and without, which it can be if you, if you manage it, but if you just throw things at it without thinking, okay, this is where I'm going to see this task. Um, that's where you start running into problems. Uh, you have to be able to, look at the task that you're sending away from the inbox and say, okay, when and where do I want to see this thing again? And what would make it most optimal for that? It seems to me so much of this is the, the really hard, hardest part of this whole thing isn't picking the right software tool. It's putting on your big boy or your big girl pants and just saying, I'm not going to do all this stuff in the next yeah. day or week or month and deciding, am I going to drop some of this stuff? Am I going to push it out further? Mm-hmm. And I, I know for, in my case, this is, this can be paralyzing because I, I don't like to say no to things and mm-hmm. to a fault. And, um, maybe that's why I keep banging on about some of this stuff because I need these tools to kind of keep myself in check, but it, it is kind of a death spiral. I think if you, if you commit to one of these and you fall off the wagon, um, then you're kind of in this unblissful ignorance is I guess the word I would use because because <laughs> you've got agitation you know that there's things going on and there's stuff happening that you should be on top of and you're not exactly sure what it is and you feel there, so you've got that half of you that's battling in your brain and then you've got the other half of you that's saying well I don't really know what's going on so sure I can do whatever you just asked me to do even though you have really no clues to whether or not you're capable of it or not and um and I, I I'll, I'll tell you and I, I guess this is probably um something I've said already on the show, but every time I start to feel that I go in and just kind of sweep through my task manager and sweep through my review. And, and at least then at the end, I know once again, exactly what's in front of me mm-hmm. and I make hard decisions. Well, when you talk about honoring the the task management list, and I, and I don't mean to get us off topic, but there's also that, that fine line between keeping track of your tasks and, and really getting things done versus just fiddling for the sake of, of fiddling. I mean, mm-hmm. I know from time to time, I've been guilty of that. I'm sure everybody listening to the show has been guilty of that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about at length, oh, well, this is how you can configure and set up and do all of these great things to maximize your productivity. But you can waste a lot of productivity, you know, you know, fiddling with your settings and doing all of these things. You know, at, at some point, it actually comes down to getting the things in your task management list actually done. You know, David, I know you had, I think it was at one of those um, Macworld talks that you gave at the Omni booth. You had this big slide and it always stuck with me. And and you said you're only an Omni focus certain times of the day. You know, you go in the morning, you add stuff, 
you go in in the afternoon, but then you had this big slide in the middle that says, well, what do you do with this whole time in the middle of the day? And you had big, bold letters, you do stuff. Do you, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, uh, that's good. It, it's hard though. And, and I think, you know, no matter what, I don't want this to be just OmniFocus. This would really apply to things well, but it could or apply whatever, to whatever anything. system. I mean, yeah. any system. I mean, my gosh, how much time did we spend in those, those Franklin Covey planners, you know, making sure that we had just the right highlighter and just the right color. Maybe that was just me. And, you know, all of our no, tabs no. are in. Just, uh... <laughs> I was there too. <laughs> okay. But the, but the, I, I do think that, you know, talking about that, that problem for a minute is you go in and you could spend, if you micromanage a detailed task list and combine that with the inability to be realistic about what you can do and how much time things take, you can spend two hours every morning in your task manager. And and if that's you right now, you've got a problem because Mm -hmm. that's not solving your problem. That's actually adding to your problems. You've got to, and I think it's a combination. You've got to be willing to say, okay, this, um, that, you know, the sales proposal on the uh, Murphy deal, that is not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to push that off to next Tuesday and put, you know, an OmniFocus, I'd say one week or one W space T, uh, T-U-E for one week from Tuesday. And, and I would do it for the entire project. Mm-hmm. Just, just put the whole, because you can do that in OmniFocus. If you, if you've got a project, you can set a start date for the project and everything related to that immediately just disappears. And then that way I don't spend um, you know, five minutes moving every single task to next Tuesday. I just move the whole thing, one swell foop, as they say, mm-hmm. and um, and it's gone. And and if you can go through there in the morning, and like one of the things I do, and is I go through the first pass through OmniFocus for me in the morning is what projects am I not going to do today? And there'll be some projects that I'm going to do parts of, but not all of. But any project that's not going to get hit today, I'm pushing out. And it may be pushed out a day, a week, a month, a year, who knows. But the, it's, it's, it's pushed out. And then, and then once you hit the magic command K button and OmniFocus, it, you know, sweeps through and gets rid of all that stuff, then suddenly the list is just projects that have things you want to do something on and then go through and look at the individual task items and figure out what you're going to do. And, um, and when I'm done with that, and the whole process for me takes about 20 minutes um, I've got a very manageable list and, and so much so, and this is just another indication of my own personal sickness is I've got stuff that I've got set to do in the morning and I've got stuff that has a start time at like 1 PM. And so even for the morning, I may have like seven items on my list and that gets me to my happy place and it's artificially created, but it works. And I know in my head, and if somebody calls and says, Oh, I need this done. I know exactly what seven things I'm going to have to decide between this and that. And, um, and it works. And I do like everybody else. I have times where I'll go two or three days. I'll get on a big project. Like when I ship a book or something, suddenly all my time is focused on that. I last few months we've had, uh, in our house, medical issues, um, job change issues and, uh, some kid issues. And, uh, my wife had surgery. I mean, it was like, it was nuts. And, um, and for weeks at a time, I was completely like the rest of us, completely off the wagon. And it was making me nuts. But but going back and, you know, going through and taking that 20 minutes in the morning, I think can make a huge difference. I just rambled. I'm really sorry. No, I, there's a, a couple of points that you bring up that I think are really important. Uh, one is that um, a, a, a solid, well-cultivated, uh, matured, let's say, task management system 
gives you the ability to say no with confidence um, or to, to say, I can't do it now. Let me project it out this many weeks or months or whatever, and I can get back to you. And I've had that happen to me where somebody has asked, hey, can you do something? And it'll take, uh, you know, maybe a couple of hours and it'll start in a couple of months. And I looked at my system and I immediately was able to say, no, I cannot do that. I need a longer lead time. Um, so that's one of the, the, the huge benefits. And once you feel that, that also helps motivate, I think, maintaining the, uh, the, the system. And then the other idea that, um, that you brought up too is, uh, I think, of uh, getting lost, you know, where you can constantly fiddle with, um, Katie, you mentioned the idea of the, uh, the highlighters and, and you can spend like, you know, all this time you could. And, and, uh, sometimes it's even beneficial to do so, but you can totally throw us off. So I have like a couple of rules for myself. Um, one is for that sort of the micro, uh, like whether, when I'm in the session of work and how I can try to avoid getting myself thrown off. And one is for like the macro and how I can like, uh, you know, say no to something three weeks out. So for the micro, you know, what I do is I kind of, this doesn't happen every time, but I divide the, uh, the session of work or whatever it is I plan to do into several components. One is the opening. One is the uh, time that I'm doing the work and time. And the third is the closing time. So this is where like in the opening time, um, if, uh, first of all, I decide what is it that I want to do? That's probably the most important thing. Then, and, and also not doesn't, it seems obvious, but it's not obvious that that is the most uh, difficult thing to do. Decide what is it that I'm going to do next. Then I write down, uh, that's where I might mind sweep. That's where I might add things to the inbox. If I have something that's two minutes or less that I can do, so that two minute rule, I go ahead and do it. But then during the session, when I've decided, okay, I've opened the session, I'm now working. Um, I can easily, uh, have many thoughts about, okay, I could do this. I could research that. I could, you know, start using my highlighter. Those all go in the inbox. Those ideas all go in the inbox. And while I maintain that idea of what is it that I wanted to do at the beginning, and then at the closing phase, that's where, again, I can process the inbox. And because of that two minute rule or less, like if I decide I want to try out a new highlighter, if I want to try like a different folder structure, that's the time that I do it because I think, yeah, fine, that'll take two minutes or less. I'll do that. And then larger kind of uh, organizational ideas, those can all be their own tasks and their own projects that I might schedule at some future point in time. So um, actually, I have one other thought. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm going on. Uh, the, um, the idea of the larger projects is that what I do is I just keep this large, <clears throat> what I call the land and sea project which is basically a, a one project that highlights three separate projects or three separate tasks that represent projects. So I might write down the, the, the uh, task, uh, prepare for the Mac Power Users Show as being one of those major uh, tasks. And then that has a link in the note field to the actual project in OmniFocus. And in there, that's where I have all of my the individual projects. And I just have right, the individual tasks. So I might have a task in there that's that just reminds me, okay, it's flagged. Hey, make sure that you go and, and work on this project. And then once a day, I would just go back and uh, examine those tasks and work on whatever I felt like I could do and mark it complete and move on. I just said a bunch. I think it's Katie's turn. Why don't you go for like 10 minutes, Katie? <laughs> well, well, so let's just take that for an example, you know, work on, on preparing for Mac power users. Is that a project? Is that a, is that a task? Yeah. Because, it's, it, well, I don't know, because I, I think it's a massive project, personally, but. No, it's it's definitely a project. 
So I have one task in the uh, land and sea project that represents it. And then it's an actual project in OmniFocus, prepare for Mac power users. And what I would had in there then is that I would have an individual task that's flagged and repeating. So that it would show up in my daily uh, projects. Uh, I mean, in my daily task list. Okay. And then I would also have a bunch of unflagged tasks within it. Um, things like, uh, you know, you know, David, you'd ask me a couple of questions to think about. So I just kind of every day I would visit that, that task, uh, that, um, that, uh, um, text file and just add a few thoughts, add a few more thoughts, add a few more thoughts every single day. And then at some point, you know, I edited it and at some point I was just like, okay, I think it's, yeah, this looks about good. And that's when I, I, I felt like, okay, this part is solid. And yeah, then, and yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Could, no, you, and just, could, uh, could you explain land and sea? Because I'm sure a lot of people are still thinking about that. You mentioned land and sea. Yeah. So it's, I know it's a metaphorical sort of thing, but it's basically a list of, <clears throat> of, uh, of, of tasks uh, that represent projects throughout the OmniFocus system. And basically it's a way of listing, I want to work on this task first or this project first, and then I want to work on this project, and then I want to work on this project. And at any one point in time, I have three active uh, tasks going. Um, uh, everything else is waiting. Um, so it's just sitting there until I get to it. Uh, you know, maybe it's, um, uh, and uh, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, I wanted to work on a new, uh, uh, synthesizer and, uh, that's waiting below the, um, the Mac power users, uh, task. Um, so once this is done, I will cross that off and move on to that that uh, project. And so, as I understand, like you and I are two kind of different schools about task management in some way. And I've mentioned already, I aggressively use start dates because I can filter out things that haven't hit a start date yet, mm -hmm. um, which uh, adds probably a lot of work to my life because I need to change start dates as we hit them. Just as an example of my failure at this stuff, I, this happened to me last night, I was going through and I saw uh, somebody wanted me to answer questions for an interview. They wanted to put on their website and I, I realized, you know, I've been kicking this can down the road for a while and I'd, mm -hmm. I'd hit it and I'd say, okay, three months, you know, you know, three, three M, you know, move it forward three months. I've done this so many times. I've actually lost track. I wrote the guy an email and said, Hey, I'm really sorry um, about how long this has taken me. Do you still want it? And he says, actually, I shut the website down. <laughs> you know? so, and, and I went and looked at the original <laughs> and email. David, it's, it's, it's your fault. If, <laughs> he had, original, if he had your interview. <laughs> I, I went and looked at the original email. It's two and a half years old. And I just felt, you know, see, I suck at this stuff too. I mean, it's not, it, we all do it. So, but anyway, getting back to the point, I use kind of the start date method, mm -hmm. whereas Kurosh uses this land and sea where he doesn't have a lot of active projects and he basically, you've got a shelf full of them, and then you've got a list that allows you to go pull something off the shelf, and you say, today's the day. Is yeah. that a good way to yeah. put it? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Just as soon as something is out of that, the three is completed, I add something else in. Yeah. Well, And, and I, I think one of the ways that that works is because you have such a dedicated review system is that you're in there. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm guilty of this from time to time. I, I use due dates more than, than David would probably like to, um, more than he would probably like me to, but I guess he doesn't care what I do. Uh, and, and I end up deferring my due dates occasionally, which I know gives them less meaning. And that's one of my things that I know I have to get better about is I have to get better at, and I do a review probably every couple of weeks. That's one thing is I don't have all of my projects review weekly. I set them up to review when I need to. Mm -hmm. But if it's if it's not in my forecast, it's it's not top of mind. And maybe that's because I've got too much going on. And and it sounds like you you very actively review 
all of your projects to see, okay, what can I do next? Not just what's mm-hmm. right in front of you. I have that. So that land and see lets me, you know, like just review a very, you know, let's say a dozen projects and I can look at that once or twice, once every day, once every other day. Like the, the large database of, of projects might, might have any frequency. I mean, it might, some I don't review for six months, some I don't review for, you know, a, a week or whatever it is. Um, so they are all kind of staggered by how important they are to me at what, at what stage I want to, um, maybe that's not the way to put it, but how important it is to review them, how, how infrequently I can look at them without it coming back to mind. That's probably the better way to put it. Um, and, uh, so I, I do have a very, like, uh, like the weekly sort of review lets me do that. So it's, it doesn't actually take as long as you'd think. Um, it, I do spend maybe two hours on, on, uh, a weekend, uh, to do it. That, that's actually not that bad if you're doing it on a weekly basis. Um, but two follow-up points. Number one, Katie, with the respect to due dates, have you ever considered flags? Because, uh, a flag in my mind is something that's important, but doesn't have a due date. And so there's a way to call attention to it without having due dates come and go. Uh, I need to use flags more often. That's probably one of my more underutilized features. Yes. Yeah. And then the second thing is is something Kudrash said that we haven't really uh, put the magnifying glass on, but I think if you're listening, you should definitely take that away. The tip he said, look, I'm going to do a Mac power user show and I want to design a project around that. Um, Just when that thought occurs to you, isn't necessarily and usually isn't the best time to sit down and say, okay, now what is this, you know, what type of project is this and what things am I going to do? But you know, you need to do that at some point, dedicate a little bit of time to it. So he says, plan Mac power users appearance. And that wasn't the actual work of prepping for the show and doing the research. It was the actual task of setting up the project Mm -hmm. to do that. And that is a trick that I use all the time and, and you should too. So if, if you've got a big project coming down the road and it's weighing on you, you're like, oh, I really got to deal with that Thompson, you know, application or whatever. Um, and you, you don't even know what all you need to do to make that happen. But you know that you're waking up in the middle of the night thinking about it. Um, I would recommend creating a task that says plan Thompson application. And if it's something that, you know, there's some kind of deadline around it or some kind of, you know, you need to get the wheels turning, even schedule yourself some time for it. And I know this, this is kind of break some rules for some people, but there's no, no reason you can't say next Tuesday from two o'clock to 4 PM, I'm dealing with this Thompson application. I'm going to plan the project. I may even start doing some of the steps once I get the plan done, but I'm giving it two hours next week. And you know, what happens for me is I, all of a sudden, all that angst just goes away. When it, I agree. Uh, once you start developing it, that's the thing. Like once you feel like it's, it's got wheels, it's got legs, it's got motion. That's where you get it off your mind. Like, so from the way I would have handled it is I would take the same idea, but it, what I would do is I would set a um, repeating task. I'd start it as soon as, like, as soon as something is causing me anxiety, then I'm worried about it. I start it as soon as possible. And then I set it repeat every day and just, just says develop, let's say Mac power users, whatever thing is. And that way I mark it complete and it would show up again the next day and just develop slowly. Right. And I think that may be one of the big problems and going back to a point that we made a little earlier, but is that sometimes we don't define exactly what our tasks are. And if you just see a task on your to-do list that says, 
prepare for Mac power users or, or whatever it is. You know, I've got one right now that needs to be flushed out more. And, you know, I've got a project that I, I want to refurbish the beds in the front of my house, the flower beds. And, and that's a big project. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't even know where to begin with it, but it's just sitting on my task list right now that says refurbish front, front lawn beds. And I, I know that part of the reason that it's sitting there, I mean, it's something that I want to do this season. And I know part of the reason it's sitting there is because I really don't even know where to start with it. And I think a lot of the reason that tasks sometimes just sit there is because we have these big concept ideas, but we don't really know where to start. And sometimes the first place to start is, okay, we'll figure out what is it that I need to do with this. And then you can start tackling it in, in smaller chunks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What is the next action? Yeah. That, right. I, I would totally help you with your flower bits, Katie. Well, my next action then is to buy David a plane ticket and get him down here because I hate manual labor. In uh, it's it's a hundred degrees here now. It, already. I would make it great, but I would be afraid of lightning. I would afraid that I would die in your front yard of lightning. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey well, let's talk about a sponsor. Yeah, I want to, we'll, we'll come back to some of this in a minute, but I want to take a quick break and talk about our good friends over at 1Password. And David, if you are not using the new 1Password app for the Apple Watch, let me tell you, you are missing out because this has become one of my new favorite things. And if you don't have an Apple Watch, don't worry yet. They, they have updated their app and there are some good things for you too. Uh, so 1Password, as you all know, uh, is the premier app for creating creating, managing, and storing strong and unique passwords. It's multi-platform. It works across your Mac, your PC, your iPhone, your iPad, even your Android devices. They are really picking up their game uh, on their Android devices recently. And of course, uh, with the magic of the cloud, whether it be Dropbox or iCloud, it syncs everywhere, no matter where you want it to be. But, you know, sometimes having super strong, unique passwords across all of your devices still isn't enough. So for those of us who are really security obsessed, we have started using two-factor authentication on across all of our, uh, our accounts that will support it. And I'm a big fan of two-factor authentication. I use it on just about every account that will support it. But sometimes managing those two-factor authentication codes are a pain. Um, I used the Google Authenticator app for a while. I used Authy for a while. In fact, I still have Authy. I like it a lot. But then my pals over at one password decided to add support for two-factor authentication codes. They call them single-use codes into one password. And this has just blown my mind and changed my game. So you can now take those two-factor authentication codes. Some apps like Google allow you to transfer your code from one device to another. Some require that you turn off two-factor authentication and turn it back on. But using the one password app on your iPhone, you can set up a two-factor authentication code right within 1Password. And here's the best part. You set up the two-factor authentication code uh, within 1Password using 1Password on iOS. That two-factor authentication code is not only going to show up within 1Password on iOS, it's going to show up on 1Password on your Mac. And it's got the ability, if you click the little button to add it as a favorite on your Apple Watch, it's going to show up on your Apple Watch. And one of the biggest pains with using two-factor authentication is that you've got to always have your phone with you, right? And so how many times would I go to sign into my Evernote account and find that I'd been logged out and I would need to type in my two-factor authentication code, but my phone is over by my nightstand and I'm across the house and oh, what a hassle. I've got to walk across the house. No longer. It's a great service. If you haven't checked it out, I strongly recommend that you do. You can find more information over at onepassword.com. And thanks to the folks over at OnePassword for their support of Mac Power users. Of course, OnePassword is on the on the watch, right? 
Hey, you know, while you were talking about that, I, I did some research. I could grow in central Florida in June, not only okra, but also sweet potatoes. Okay. I don't think I could do that in California. I don't think a sweet potato would grow in June here. So you got to get to work out there. I want some sweet potatoes. Oh, no, I have deer. Okay. They eat All everything. Right. Okay. So we, uh, I think I got off track a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to leave off. We were talking about um, getting through some of this stuff and, and I think kind of hacking our own systems together. And I guess one of the things that's interesting about this is all three of us are taking different approaches to this. Mm-hmm. But the one thing we all have in common is that we're all um, giving it attention and love. And I, I think that really is the bottom line. If you're going to, if you're going to try and deal with this anxiety through a task management system, I guess one way to deal with it is not do anything. Right. Uh, <laughs> another though, That's, is to, that would be the ostrich approach. Yeah. Or, or yes. you know, but and there, there are people and I hear from you every time we do a show like this, but there are, frankly, there are people like my dad who have jobs that don't need all of this management. And that's great. And frankly, I'm jealous of you on some levels, <laughs> but there's a lot of us out there that are suffering right now. And, and I think, so one of the things we're all doing is we're all committing time every day to try and keeping this thing running in a way that serves us well without turning it into something completely fiddly. Um, so in the section of the outline that Kuros, you were talking about finer detail. And one of the things you had said was defining the term organization and it's clearing and supportive paths for those things we find meaningful. Mm-hmm. By the way, with uh, Kurosh, I just love the way you write. Anybody out there, you should, you should get his book because it's just, it's just so pleasant. I don't know. You have a very distinct voice, but anyway. Um, Thank you. Um, it's, it's a lot and a lot of editing. So, so, uh, but, but the point he makes there is, you know, for something to be organized, you need to be aware of when it's relevant and accessible, and avoidable. Um, uh, where, you know, where do we go with this? as people, as the bullets start flying, as I like to say sometimes, because it's, this is all great when you come up with this idea, but when you're going through your day, suddenly your organization gets all shot to, you know, where, because, uh, all these inputs, emails start coming in, text messages, phone calls, people will show up at your door. Uh, how do you manage it as the bullets are flying? I think probably the most important uh, thing to be able to do is to pause. Um, that uh, as the bullets are flying, because then you can easily turn into a very reactive mode um, and uh, not know what to do next or just, you know, uh, do whatever the next thing is that's just tugging at your attention. Uh, I, I always, every time I, I, it seems like a very easy sort of thing and it's not, is, is, is learning to just pause and to be able to let things settle. Um, and, uh, if, if there are bullets flying, let them fly. And then, and then as long as you can get to that point where you're like, okay, consciously decide this is what's the next best thing for me to do. And that is not going to happen in any sort of, um, uh, task system. I mean, it's there to support you just as like the organizational idea is there. Um, uh, so I think I'm maybe answering your question in, in another direction than than maybe um, what, what you're driving at, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, like, it's not so easy to think of um, how do I make myself aware of something? How do I make this accessible? How do I make this avoidable at all points? Uh, but I think it does get easier as you practice it. Um, it's like 
It's like when you're practicing, uh, let's say I'm sitting down and practicing the piano. I'm going to practice the scales. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to practice the scales a bunch. I'm going to go through my hand and exercises. Um, there's this group of exercises that are just wonderful, like I grew up on and I still play them all the time. Um, and I'm not going to do that at the performance. I'm not going to do that when I'm playing live. But having done those things unquestionably helps me in those live moments. Uh, so I've worked those things into my skills. So let's say when in the early morning hours, uh, I'm working on some project. I love working on something in the morning because I'm just not interrupted. Then I don't have bullets flying. And I can sit there and let things settle. I can let that pause happen. And I can think of this one little component of the work and think, uh, you know, so for example, you mentioned my writing. It's really a lot of the same sort of idea. It's like, where do I want the reader to be aware of this? Where do I want, like, what would make this information most accessible? What would make, how can I get this out of the way if it's not related to the stuff that's, you know, I'm talking about here? And when I do that over and over again at a very relaxed pace that I, you know, I provided that space for me to practice in the morning, then I can do that much more easily at three in the afternoon when I get four different calls at the same time. And one of the things I experience is uh, I occasionally with my uh, day job and my night job, uh, something happens where suddenly I'm really, really busy. And the natural reaction to that is say, forget OmniFocus or forget task management, uh, just do this big project. And, and I'd say, well, then the little voice inside says, but wait, if you took 30 minutes and you went through your task system, you'd at least know what else is going on with the other stuff. And if there's anything in there that is going to crash to the ground because you're not thinking about it. And then the other voice says, but Dave, this is a big priority. You need to do this. Forget that. And uh, over the years, I've, I've learned to listen to the first voice and actually take time to go through all my other stuff. If I know I'm going to be a hunker down for the next 12 hours on something, take 30 minutes before I start and just make sure everything else is handled. Mm -hmm. And um, boy, that was like such a revelation for me once I started doing that, because it makes it so much easier to focus on the big project because you don't have that that baggage hanging there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't, I'm not sure where I'm really going with it, except to say that if you're going to be looking into some kind of task management system, you need one that gives you the ability to do that, to go and see what's on the table if yeah. you're, you're going to have to, before you sweep it off. Yeah. You need to be able to look at the landscape. That's exactly that. That's part of the opening phase of the session. That's where you got to be able to say, okay, what is it that will let me immerse myself in this project for some period of time? Sometimes you can use a timer. Sometimes you can use um, just looking at your task list and say, these are the things I need to, you know, just get a general sense of this is how much time I might be able to do. And then, and then once you can make that decision, in other words, you're not like doing the stuff on it. You're just kind of examining it and, and you've settled with that. Then you can say, okay, now I'm starting this. And when you've done that, that it, it's, it's a little mental thing that you do, but it's, it's an important mental thing you do. And, and it, it makes the world of difference to our, of, um, of how you can immerse yourself in the session. Kind of on the same topic, how, how does the use of a calendar relate to your task management system? Do you block out big schedule, uh, blocks of time to actually do things? Uh, yes and no. Most of it is, uh, most of everything is, is, is hard landscape stuff like meetings. Um, uh, those, the, those are there, but then I will make sure that I have like, um, blocks of, let's say, um, I don't know, however many, like sometimes a couple of hours, sometimes I can make four or five hours even of just time that's empty 
So it's, it's not um, uh, scheduled for any particular thing, but it is scheduled for like, let's say one of those three tasks or one of the three projects in the land and sea project that I can say, um, this is where I can choose one of those things if I, if I wanted to do them. So it's, it's, I've scheduled empty time in other words. How often do you do that? Often. Um, I try to do it more often all the time. Um, but, uh, what'll happen is because of the nature of my work, like it kind of ebbs and flows and sometimes I won't have uh, much time to do that. Um, those might be the weeks where I might have, let's say one block of, let's say three hours in a day. And most of the other days I might have maybe half an hour here or there. Um, then, uh, what I'll do is I'll schedule several months out if necessary, or however long I have to go out just saying, okay, these are going to be empty, empty blocks of time. Um, and then eventually those times show up, uh, and I will have, let's say a week or two or three or however much time where I'll have maybe two or three blocks of uninterrupted time. So now I, I know you, Kurosh and I, you and I are friends and I know you're a doctor, mm -hmm. yes. you're a musician, yep. you're, you're a father, you're a husband. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know how close you are to the rest of your family as well. Mm -hmm. Now, when uh, first of all, I want to applaud you for taking the time to do that. I, I think I need to to develop a pair and do that myself. But the second thing is, when you make that empty time, do you have plans for it? I mean, is it is it gonna is it really in secret time to play the piano, or is it? I mean, I'm, what's I could in your play mind the piano if I wanted to? What's in your mind when you set an empty time? Nothing. It's I choose then. I mean, I, I have my task list. And I might choose from there, like, you know, like these are the three things or whatever things that I have going on that I want to take care of. Um, but, uh, I find empty time to be absolutely invaluable. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's really important. And I might play piano for the whole time. Um, if, if I can look at my task list and acknowledge this is okay for me to do, I feel like this can, this can happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, th those are some of my most fun piano times. Absolutely. Uh, but sometimes I'll be working on, uh, let's say, uh, a book project or something like that, or I might be working on, or if I have some phone calls to run through, I might just do those or I, whatever is, whatever is most needed. I have that space and space is, you got to have space, whatever in time or in your location, you got to have that protected space. Okay. So I still not sure I understand empty time then. So when I, when you first described it, I thought, okay, this is time where you're not in your task list. You're not doing anything. It's time to spend reading a book or taking a walk or just mm -hmm. decompressing if you want to, but yeah. it sounds like you can also use it for, for work if you want. Yes. It's unscheduled. It's scheduled time that doesn't have a, a dedicated purpose to it. Okay. So like, and the advantage of that is if you schedule three hours on Thursday afternoon and people want to meet you, you're like Thursday afternoon is out. That's right. my empty time. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Absolutely. And you, and you schedule this months in advance. Sometimes if I need to, but you, at this point, I've made it where it's a regular repeating thing. There are certain uh, pockets of time in my, in my week where I just don't have anything scheduled. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware that I'm in a unique position where I can do that. Uh, you know, I think most people who are working for somebody who can't do that, but I think it's really important. And I, 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 I'd encourage all workplaces to incorporate that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've noticed that one of the partners in my office, and I love this idea, he never schedules appointments on Mondays all day, all mm -hmm. no appointments, and he never schedules appointments on Friday afternoons. And sure. part of that is just, I think, because sometimes he likes to go home early on Friday afternoons. But part of that is 
you know, you can be so busy with appointments and meeting people and doing that you don't actually have time to get anything done. And so if, if you look at his calendar for any given week, if you look ahead and try to schedule things, it's kind of an odd shaped calendar because all of Monday is just blocked off. And it's, it's, he says it's, it's his most productive day of the week. I believe it. Absolutely. I mean, you, when you start being able to pause and not think of anything, when you start to be able to allow your mind that creative space it needs, it, you, you start recognizing how important that space is. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely huge that those are the times where you might have some, some neat idea come to mind. You can write it down. You can follow it if you want to. You don't have to. You can store it for later. You can work on something that you really have to work on or it's time that, that is empty. That's funny because I've really evolved that way too, Katie, since going out on my own is occasionally I'll have a court appearance on a Monday or Friday, but I do not set meetings, lunch appointments or whatever on Monday or Friday. And, um, well, Friday's Disney day. Well, you, you know, this, you know, that's actually something worth talking about in this context, because I've been getting, mm-hmm. first of all, I've been getting a lot of, of, um, uh, grief about it, but it's interesting. You know, so my wife loves going to Disneyland. And so one of the nice things about working for myself is I can drive her up there and I found some quiet places up there and I, um, turn off the phone and I'll sit there with my uh, laptop and write a contract or work on a book or whatever it is that is important to me that day. And working from home as often as I do now, it's actually kind of a nice getaway in some of my pro- most productive time of the week. Isn't that weird? Makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 But uh, you create that bubble for yourself. You know, yeah. Where you, you have uninterrupted time to, to uh, allow to allow your the work to come to you. I think that's maybe the way to think of it, that when you can sit with the work in front of you, and you don't have to do it necessarily. You just have it in front of you and then maybe you can nudge it forward. And then suddenly, Hey, what just happened? There's this cool thing in front of me now that you need that space. I, I still want to talk about some of the technologies and software we're going to use to deal with this stuff. And another subject I want to talk about is how do you handle big picture items? Cause we've been talking in the weeds a lot. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about our next sponsor. And that's our friends over at Sanebox. Uh, you can check it out at SaneBox.com slash MPU. That's the great link that gets you $10 off any plan. SaneBox is a service that applies email filtering, right? Once you sign up for the service, it'll look at the the sender and the subject lines of your emails, and it'll do magic things with them. It's really, I think it's a game changer. And so many listeners have used it. In fact, the SaneBox people were telling us that Mac Power users is the most successful sponsorship they've ever had because our listeners all immediately get this once they start using it. So once you, once you sign up for it, it'll go through and sort your inbox for you. And it's got like a later folder for things that aren't so important. Um, they've got um, even more, you know, different folders you can turn on like news articles or whatever they can auto sort those. So when you wake up in the morning, you'll see five or six items in your inbox. And then the other stuff will be into separate, you know, later boxes that same box has created for you. This auto filtering allows you to just go into the most important things first and let the other things wait. But that's just the beginning of what they can do for you. They've got the ability to snooze emails for you, which is something I use all the time now. When I get an email, I may push it off two days or whatever, and then it's off my plate. In fact, it saves me some of my task management grief because I don't have to put every email into my task management system that I'm going to do later. Now I can just snooze it for a few days. Um, there's just so much you can do with it. If you're using it already, 
Uh, and this is a power tip I want you to check out. Go into their website and look at the advanced filtering features because they've got the ability to filter out by a domain. Like if you're getting spam by something that's getting through your spam filters, just put the domain in there and you can basically knock the whole dip domain out. They've got a new cool feature called Sane VIP, where if your friends or colleagues put a magic word in the subject line, it automatically goes to the top of the line for you. So they've got a way to kind of get priority from your email. Uh, they've got a variety of plans and pricing. It starts as low as $4 a month. You get a 14-day free trial. Uh, go to sanebox.com slash MPU. I, this is a service I use every day. It, it, it really saves my bacon. I bet it could help you out too. So go check it out. And just see what I'm talking about. Sanebox.com slash MPU. Um, before, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the details of this stuff. But what about, you know, and this is a subject that comes up every time I raise this on the show. And I'm, this is the perfect opportunity to address it is how do you deal with like the big things you want out of your life? I mean, uh, it's really great to say, take out the garbage Thursday night and plan for the Mac Power User Show in two weeks. But what about, you know, where's my life headed and how does this stuff how do you combine, you know, daily task management with, you know, pushing the ship in the right direction? The, um, so at the, I have one, um, project that, and it doesn't have to be an OmniFocus if you don't want it to be, but I have it there that's on hold. Um, so it doesn't show up in my, my, uh, um, other lists that basically has about four or five things that I just keep writing and rewriting little sentences that are like, this is what's important to me. And, um, and everyone, every week I look at that and I say, is anything different? Is anything, you know, has anything changed? And, um, right next to that is the land and sea project, uh, where I have those three ongoing things and, and maybe about, uh, 10 or 12 other ones that are kind of in, in wait. So in that way, I, I have this direct link between the grand scheme and then the, uh, kind of a next level of um this is this is uh how i'm looking at what i want to be doing the which projects are important to me and then those links to the day to the day to day so in that way i have them all kind of lined up together yeah there's there is no shortage of software on this stuff and every time it comes up people send in send in recommendations and one of the reasons why i haven't really been very good about recommending too much of it is because i i'm kind of low tech on that stuff as well i just i have a text file it's an NV alt note and they're declarative statements about the kind of man I want to be in, in various areas of my life. And I go and I look at it and I have an omnifocus task to remind me. Um, the other thing I do is every year on my birthday, I, I take some time to look at that list and see, kind of judge myself and see what I can do in the next year. And, and those will turn into tasks and projects and omnifocus. But um, I, I don't think I'm really very techy about the way I handle it. How, how do you deal with that stuff, Katie? You know, I, I haven't done a real good job with that. I, I, I kind of have in, in my head, you know, what do I want to do in three years? What do I do want to do in five years? I, 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 I had a list. I kept it in Ever. I keep these kind of things in Evernote, but I kind of have a list for, for milestone years. It, it used to be the, ha uh, before I'm 30 list. And then it turned out to be the before I'm 40 list. And, you know, it keeps, uh, it it keeps growing out there, but it's kind of a list. And, and I look, I go back and look at it occasionally and I, I update it in, in increments. And, you know, some of it's are, are funny things like, you know, I'd, I'd like to see this or I'd like to do this. And then some of it are, are, you know, there, a lot of them are funny things, actually, if you go back and look at them, but some of them are, are real big, big picture things that, you know, kind of bucket list items. And some of them are, are more just, um, you know, things that I would like to accomplish. Where would I like to see 
my career. And then I'll look at them and say, what of these can I actually, you know, what of these are realistic to accomplish this year within the next 18 months, within the next six months? And, you know, see if I can go pull a few off. And uh, sometimes I do it around New Year's. I, I look at that list just because it's kind of a resolutions time, although I hate the idea of New Year's resolutions. But I think I think the birthday is a is a good time to do that as well. But I keep that kind of stuff in Evernote. I don't typically keep it in, until it actually becomes a project that I've committed to. Uh, it doesn't go into OmniFocus. Kurash and I had a conversation offline about this once, and we were talking about the the lack of focus you have mm -hmm. as time moves forward. You know, explain yes. that a little bit. Well, any sort of any intention that's creative, anything that you want to do that you don't quite know how it's all going to come together yet has a blurry vision to it. Um, you know, at the one end of, a, of an intention where we are, we have this present experience. And at the other end, somewhere in the future, we have this vision. And the only way you can discover what you're making in a creative intention is is by making it. You discover what you are making in the act of making it. And I, I you can say that about small things. You can say that, you know, about an email you're writing, or you could say that about, you know, what happens in the next five, 10 years. Um, so it's more about, a, you know, it's a sense. It's like you have this idea of this, this motion you're moving forward and you can look at your, 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 you know, I might look at my list of projects and I say, does this kind of have a sense of where I want to be heading the things I want to be doing? And in that way, it's more like I allow, um, uh, some, I, I have some guidance over, over who I want to be and what, where I'm going, but I'm not going to say I'm going to be doing this in this many years. I just, it, that's never worked well with me because I just find that a vision that is held too strongly artificially either becomes destructive to the environment or it becomes, uh, sh it shatters itself. It's just, it's too inflexible. And, um, so in that sense, it's like, I, I, I look at things just from the creative standpoint. Well, I was thinking about Katie. So she's getting a second graduate degree and I know that on your list, Cause you, you know, once, have... one's never enough. Yeah, but I mean, I, but I'm also sure on that list you were talking about, there's some things in there about your professional goals and desires. And did did that list play a role in you starting that journey? Or I mean, how did that all work? If you don't. Yeah, well, a, a little bit, you know, I education is very big in in my family. And it was one of these things that I've I've always known, you know, I, I always knew when I graduated from high school that I would go to college. I, I always knew that when I, I always knew when I was in college that I was going to get a graduate degree. And then it was kind of one of those things that, you know, even when I was sitting in graduation from law school, and even as I was on a practice as a practicing professional, I still knew that I wasn't done yet. And, you know, I got to tell you, as I kind of sit here thinking, you know, I'm, I'm more than halfway through the program now, and it's hard to believe because it feels like I just started. I'm thinking, you know what, this isn't so bad. Maybe I'll get an MBA in a couple of years, right? <laughs> um, is that, Chris, you can diagnose me. Is there, is there a disease or something associated with collecting <laughs> degrees? Um, if, if, if there is, I have, I have the identical. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. no, I, you know, I think that's your, it's the same idea as you're, you're developing towards, you have that feeling of where am I heading? Right. You know, and, and, and and so I, I, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. And so it, it started off as I want to move my practice in this area. 
And then it started off with, you know, I, I, I started, you know, how can I move my practice into this area? And, you know, one of the things on that list was, well, you know, I want to talk to people who are in this area, who I admire, who do this thing. And I talked to several people in this area. And, you know, when three of them told me the same thing, three of them said, you know what, if I were you, if I were your age, you know, in your position, this is what I would do. I would go back to school and I would get this degree either because they did it or they wish they'd done it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of when you when you hear that from one person, you look at them and you say, you crazy, I'm not doing that. And then you hear it from another person, you say, gosh, I really hope nobody else tells me that because I really don't want to do that. And then you hear it from a third person and you think, oh, OK, well, may- maybe there's something to this. And so then then you put that on the list as something that you're thinking about. And it sits on the list for a while and you stew on it. And and then it says then it becomes a project. And then you start thinking of. Okay, well, what what are the tasks associated with getting this graduate degree? What what are the hurdles to that and and what do I need to do? Well, I, I need to figure out what are the what are the requirements for admission? You know, what are you know, what do I have to do? Do I have to write something? Do I have to get letters? Do I have to, you know, make application? How does this work? And there you go. I had a um a couple of years ago, somebody sent me a link. And I'm going to have to dig for it now. It was a uh, I think they were two Australian gents and they did a a marketing podcast. And they devoted a substantial portion of their show to me. And I, I'd never heard of these guys, but they did a show talking about how I had this big plan, you know, and they looked and they kind of went and, um, you know, retroed my Max Barkey career. You know, I look back and where did I start? And then he, he spoke and then he wrote a book and then he did a podcast and, and all this stuff. And, and it was really funny listening to it. Um, and I wrote them after said, you know, guys, I didn't have any of these plans. It just, you know, I just took each step as it made sense to me. And, um, I felt like I burst their bubble a little bit, frankly, but the, um, I have not done a good job of this. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't have any good software tools for it, because I, I just kind of have this list of, like I said, goals that I kind of look at once in a while, but I don't, I'm too busy, you know, fighting off the bullets and fighting the battles sometimes I think to get into that. So that's something I could probably improve upon. Yeah. How well, about, before we move on, uh, do you do it? I guess you've, you've kind of explained your, how you handle it. You, you take it kind of in context of focus. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's, a, it's I, just as you're doing it. I mean, it's the idea of like, there's no, there might be a plan, but it's, it's a flexible one. I mean, I like the idea of being able to, um, you know, think about where I want to be and all those sorts of things, but really, um, there's, there's the path in front of me too, you know, and, and it's the, this, the one step at a time. I mean, as you're doing in terms of developing your own, um, you know, field guides and, and, uh, you know, how you're developing the, the show here you know, and, uh, Katie, as you're kind of thinking, okay, what kind of education do I want to head towards? It's a day-to-day sort of thing. And, you know, I, I think there's an importance to just focusing on the things that are in front of us. Um, while uh, certainly keeping our eye on the horizon, we, we can't fool ourselves in thinking that we know what's on the horizon. Well, I have a, a couple of follow-up questions, and I actually want to ask you a, kind of the reverse question of this. But before we do, we have uh, one final sponsor that I want to talk about, um, and that is our good friends over at the Omni Group. And I want to talk about an app, actually an app that I have been in all day today. And that is Omni Outliner. You know, we've been talking about 
going back to school and, and those types of things. And one of the tools that has made that absolutely indispensable for me has been Omni Outliner because I, I think perhaps one of the reasons I decided to go back to school is so that I would have access to all of these cool tools now that I didn't have uh, before when I went back to school. And Omni Outliner is definitely one of those because I always said, gosh, I really wish they had Omni Outliner when I was a law student. And you know what? Now they do. And not only do they have Omni Outliner, but Omni Outliner is better than ever because if you outline, Omni Outliner is what you want. It will let you store and collect all sorts of information. Now to get you started, they have a couple of built-in themes or you can create your own, but it is feature rich and very flexible. You can use it for any number of tasks from creating lists to outlining a speech to taking notes or even writing a novel if that's what you decide you want to do. It is so easy to quickly add structure to your information and then go back and beef up your outlines. I tend to do all of my reading over the weekend and outline what I'm reading. And then when I go back in the class, I can go in and, and beef up my notes. Um, you can add information to your outline by pulling in attachments like PDFs. You can even take recordings. So if there's a particular part of a, a course that you want to record, you can add in the audio recordings to that as well. Um, you can share your outlines by exporting them in a variety of formats. But one of my favorite features is that all of this information can sync across all of your devices, all of your devices. That's across any Mac, any iPad, and now they have Omni Outliner for the iPhone using Omni's super omnipresent service. Uh, service. It is free, it is reliable, it is open, your files are always intact and available, and they'll be waiting for you no matter where you are. There's a regular version as well as a pro version, which brings additional features and export options, Apple Script support, and more. So if you... If you are into outlining, you definitely want to give Omni Outliner a try. You can even try it before you buy it. You get a free two-week trial by visiting theomnigroup.com. They've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go check them out at omnigroup.com. And thanks, Omni, for your support of Mac Power users. You know, one of the things I love is that, um, Katie, when you say one of the reasons you went back to school was so you could use some of the tools, I, not only do I believe you, yeah. I kind of empathize with you. <laughs> Because I'm living vicariously through my daughter who's in college and I'm like, oh, are you using this? This is great. You know, and she, she could care less, honestly. But the, uh, but yeah, I, I could see myself falling into that trap as well. Yeah. Although I just can't imagine myself going back to school. I don't think I have that sickness that the two of you do. I, I feel like I'm kind of done. Oh, you never it's hard know. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go back to skipper school, the jungle crew someday. <laughs> Well, that works. That works too. I, I anyway, I I digress. Um, so, uh, Katie, you said you had the the opposite question, and I'm 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 on the edge of my seat. Yeah. So we talked about how you handle big picture projects, you know, life goals and and things like that. What about little everyday things? At what point does something not make it into your task management system? Um, you know, just because it's become a habit or because you're going, you know, it's, it's too, is, is there ever anything that is too little that it just clutters mm -hmm. up your task management system or maybe it's a habit or maybe you're just like, yeah, I'm not putting that in there. Well, sometimes uh, I guess habit is something that I have used um, uh, the system for. So let's say uh, if I was developing uh, a habit of doing, um, like I needed to refill the humidifier with water every morning. And uh, so I might have a task that was repeating to do that. But then at some point I delete it. 
um, because I just have it in, ingrained at that point. Um, little things like, uh, I gotta, you know, somebody calls me, I gotta call them back. Um, um, oh, what if I did that? What if I did this other little thing? Sometimes I'll put those into the inbox and, uh, just so that I have them off of my mind for the, for the time being. And then as soon as I go to process the inbox, the little thing is uh, two minutes or less. I'll just go ahead and do it. So the, the measure is, um, really, do I want something off of my mind? Uh, because I know that I will forget things quite often. That, that, that's really, that's really it. It's just about, do I want this off of my mind? How do you deal with that, Katie? You know, there, there are certain things and, and that just don't go into my task management system. And, and I agree, like crush, they originally did. Like when I first moved into my house, my trash day moved from Thursday to Monday. And so I had a repeating task every Monday to take out my trash. Well, you know what? I've been here for three years now. I, I now know that Monday is trash day. You know, I got it. So that task gets deleted. I, I don't want that in my task management system. You know, I, I had a friend of mine who, you know, was all into the the planner thing. And sh- she used to create tasks that said, you know, um, you know, wake up, make breakfast, tie shoes. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? What, what What's up with this? And she's like, I just love checking off that I've done things, you know, and I'm like, yeah, come on, you haven't, you haven't really done anything. And, and I might be exaggerating a, a little bit, but no, this, this isn't things that you do. These are your activities of daily living. These aren't, these aren't actual accomplishments that, that you've made. So I, I try to, to get, I, I try not to put the, the routine and mundane things in my task management system, but yet there may be other places that they live. You know, we've talked about, I tend to use the Apple reminder apps on my phone for lists. Um, I have, for example, a packing list in Omni, or sorry, I keep it in Evernote now. I created it in Omni Outliner and then I export it and I keep it in Evernote now. So those are things that I, I don't keep in my task management system. Yeah, it's, might have. it's funny how you silo things off. I, I do the same thing. My my wife had a conversation with me and it was actually kind of serious. She's like, you know, it would be really nice if we could have one Thursday where I didn't have to remind you to take the trash out to the street. <laughs> and, and she said it with love. But, you know, I got thinking she's she's kind of right. I, I should be able to manage that, especially the guy who writes books and talks about productivity, you know, but I've never been able to put that in OmniFocus. It just I don't know. It just doesn't seem like an appropriate place. And I started playing with other apps. I'm using do for that right now. And it taps my watch on Thursday at four o'clock and I run for the trash can so I can get it done. But, um, I do you think know, we that, just, we just put ours out the night before. Yeah. Well, no, no, they come out, they come on Friday morning. Oh, okay. Okay. I just, you know, by Thursday, if I haven't remembered, but it's, um, it's kind of funny that people, um, you know, I think there is something to be said for like keeping like your big boy task manager is kind of a sacred place. In my mind, it is. And in grocery lists and things like that, don't go in there. And and part of it is a result of the method I use to manage it because I use these start dates and whatnot. I don't want to be putting, you know, buy, you know, grocery, you know, buy grapes into that whole system. You know, it just doesn't make sense. That's where I, that's where I differ. That's, that's, I, I totally will put by grapes in there. But, uh, the, so I, I have like small things like that, but then you got to be able to say, how can I keep this out of my way at the times that it would be important for me to keep it out of my way? That that's, that's the idea of the avoidability issue. Um, if you can do that, um, so like the idea of the, the, the small, like wake up, this sort of thing, um, you know, take shower, I don't know, whatever it is that you, you know, you've kind of got ingrained already. Yeah. Take that out. Of course. Um, because you do 
ruin the signal to noise ratio of what's important. But if you can make it so that you don't look at those grocery items, for example, if you have like a grocery context, then, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? That's a good point. Well, I, I guess <laughs> I, it just goes to say that there, there, there are many ways to skin this cat. Yeah. Well, for us, the uh, like the grocery list is an example. For us, we handle that through the Reminders app. And I know there's a million grocery apps out there, uh, but the nice, the advantage of that is it's shared. So you know, we have a Target and a grocery and various you know stores. So whoever's at the like, I'll go to the grocery store and look at the reminders, and there'll be stuff there that I didn't put there, and but I'll pick it up anyway because somebody put it in. And um, so th there can be advantages. Yeah, it, this you know. This really is getting pretty fine at that point, you know, how you do go about doing this. We've had several people on the show talking about how they're using cooking apps and they want to create the grocery list out of that. Mm. But um, I do think in terms of, of takeaways on this, because I want to transition to a little bit more of some of your favorite software, too, because I know you've got some opinions on that. Mm. Uh, but just I, I think this whole show, I, I would like to think we got across a few points. Number one is. Uh, in today's age, this stuff is harder than it's ever been. So it's okay to feel kind of um, flabbergasted by it. You know I mean? Because it's hard. And I don't think anybody is really great at it all the time. I think another thing I'd like to, to focus on is you need a system that you can live with. I mean, it doesn't matter what software program you use. I mean, we've got favorites. I've, I've been trying not to turn this all into one application, but um, you've got to have a system because you've got to be in there every day. I mean, would anybody disagree that if you don't manage this thing, it's just going to be going to eat you? No, absolutely. I think the review aspect is that anything that you review is part of your system without review. I don't know if you have a system, um, you know, you could use pen and paper, but, um, you've got to be able to, uh, to, uh, examine it regularly. And here's my hippie message is I get a lot of emails from people about this. In fact, I wrote a, a I was talking about dodging bullets earlier. I wrote a post called that. I'll put it in the show notes. And I get emails from people who are so angry at themselves about all this stuff. They're like, I don't know what to do. I have so many and I can't manage it. And I'm terrible at this. I feel like a lot of times people um, add a whole bunch of angst to their own. I don't know what it is, but people just want to be hard on themselves on this stuff. And I, I think you just need to accept that it's, it's actually really quite hard to do this. And it's okay to get it wrong a little bit. Just keep swinging. Yeah. I, I think that's totally important. I think you have to be able to make mistakes. I mean, any creative thing, you have to be able to make mistakes. And keep trying. Keep keep developing. I'm still developing my systems. Yeah. Well, I know we're we're running tight on our time here, and um, but maybe a good way to wrap this up is let's let's talk a little bit about the software that you're using for this because you know this is Mac Power users after all. You know what what would we do if we didn't go out and convince people to buy a lot of additional software because you know that's that's our thing. But you know, obviously, OmniFocus is a big part of that, and I know we talked about this, but there there are other options as well. You know, what are you using to to manage this? I, Things other than OmniFocus. Tell us a little bit about your system you've set up. So, um, I guess just like a rundown of kind of like uh, like uh, major major programs I'm using. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, actually, um, uh, David, you mentioned Do the app. I do use that. Um, you know, to like remind me to do things at specific points in time. I think it's a really useful useful app. Um, the uh, Trio that you guys tend to, I think it's the Trio you mentioned. Uh, maybe I'm missing one. Or, Replaced one. Text Expander, Keyboard Maestro, Hazel. Love those apps. I mean, those just are always there. Um, 
Uh, let's see. I've, I've been using uh, how to spot or who to spot uh, a lot more. I've been like, that's become like sometimes where I have, uh, like I've recorded some performances or so for my Saturday mornings and I will um, uh, have like an MP3 like list in my Dropbox uh, area. And I will use that uh, as a way to search and to create like specific saved searches for things. Um, uh, and uh, it becomes its own like sort of set of tasks within itself. You know, it's, it's funny about that who to spot app, you know, in the Mac power users kind of world, occasionally you'll see like an asteroid, an app like an asteroid just kind of circles around and kind of, you know, rotates around the show. And it seems like who to spot is an asteroid that just keeps showing up lately. I think you're the third or fourth guest we've talked to in the last six months that has been using that application. It's that that's a thing now. I I would say it's a thing. I think it it's worth uh, at least looking at and, um, uh, it, it took me a little while to kind of really um, wrap my head around, like, is this thing useful or not? Um, but, you know, similar to like Text Expander, for example, it just sat there for a while. And then eventually I'm like, oh, yeah, I could use this. This is good. Um, well, and if you're out there and you've never used it before, first of all, uh, disclosure, the developer's a friend. You know, him and I go back, old Macworld buddy. Uh, but the, uh, but it, it kind of supercharges Spotlight in a way. It gives you a lot more control. So you to find stuff on your Mac. If you're a hunter, instead of a gatherer, who to spot would be a really great tool on your belt. You could use it for gathering too. I would say, like you can like make save a dedicated search, um, and then like for example, tag things so that it would show up in that search. So, so what you you said you'd use it with your recordings? How do you yeah. how do you do that? So I say I I um, so when I perform I. I record the performances. And then from there, I might do some editing and export that to a specific folder in Dropbox uh, as an MP3 file. And then what I've done is then I have um, how to spot um, search that particular folder uh, and um, just give me a list of all those, those, um, those files. And then I might add a tag of like this one. I want to process this one. I want to um, uh, edit in a different way. This one I want to, um, uh, add to a particular album, for example, um, or a developing album. And then those all have their own individual searches. So that way I can just add a tag and suddenly it's in a different list. Yeah, it's it's worth checking out. So yeah. so uh, what are some of your other favorite apps? Um, let's see. So um, I like Steam for video games. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, for uh, music stuff, I, I can mention those. I use uh, Cubase uh, by Steinberg and uh, NiceCast, um, the uh, Rogue, Amiga, Rogue Amoeba, um, and then um, uh, Live 365 for streaming. And, and that's something fun. If you're out there, uh, you should definitely follow uh, Kurash's uh, Twitter feed because occasionally he'll say, hey, I'm about to play the piano for an hour and yep. just stream it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. on uh, Saturday mornings, uh, I just... Uh, do a live performance that broadcasts dual into uh, second life and, uh, and then I onto general inter internet radio. Um, so yeah, that's, you can hear me perform live. You're and and you do that all with just nice cast. How, how is that set up? So um, I will, uh, I will set up, uh, I have a second computer to do this. So I have one computer that records and is the digital audio workstation. That's the Cubase and we'll uh, record the performance. Then from there, um, I will uh, export to a separate um, uh, one that will broadcast on uh, using NiceCast. And um, 
uh, I will rent a, uh, a, a, a streaming a URL, a radio station, uh, using uh, Live 365. And so what happens is that I broadcast to that Live 365 uh, station. And then in the Second Life world, you can take that URL and broadcast that within a parcel of land. So what happens is that you have a bunch of avatars, people playing the game in a certain parcel of land, and they will hear that performance while my avatar sits at a um, at a virtual piano. So you can it's like we're all playing a video game, but it's not quite a game. It's like a, a virtual world. We're all sitting together on this like grassy knoll or something, and I, you can see my avatar playing the piano while you're actually hearing me perform live. Wow, it's a lot of fun. And you've been doing that for a while. About eight, nine years now, yeah. Now, now do uh, people like show up for the, the Kurosh concert every Saturday? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a blast, I gotta yeah. say. It's, it's, it's something I totally look forward to uh, every week. It's like become like a, like a regular uh, sort of thing where, um, you know, the same, like we're, we're, me and the audience were like, we all kind of, you know, just resonate and just talk and have fun. It's, it's, it's a good time. It's kind of funny, you know, and this is a good point to end the show because it's the flip side of the problem we started the show with is, you know, in 2015, you have a lot of inputs. You have a lot of things coming at you. Managing tasks is harder than ever before. But the flip side is you have the ability to give to sit in your Chicago house and give mm -hmm. a concert to the entire world every Saturday morning and people come and watch. I exactly. Mean, that's kind yeah. of amazing. It is amazing. I mean, people do come from all over the world and it's like, we can all like chat about different things and, and it's just, it's a ton of fun. <laughs> all right. So, so Kudrash, where do people go to find you? Um, they could go to, let's see, kuroshdini.com is uh, probably the central uh, hub. You can, uh, if you're interested in the, the, the productivity type books, um, you can go to using omnifocus.com. And if you're interested in my music stuff, you can go to lifeinmusic.org. And what's your Twitter handle? Kuroshdini. Okay. And just spell it so everybody, anybody out there. Sure. K-O-U-R-O-S-H-D-I-N-I. -I. And, and we'll put all of that into the show notes. Um, and Katie, uh, where do you find us? Well, you can find the show over at relay.fm slash MPU. This episode is number 263, I believe. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. The show is Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd and David is Max Sparky. Thank you, everybody. And uh, it was a fun show. Thank you so much, Kurosh, for coming on the show. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.